You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pullbox Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to the Pullbox Podcast. This is our 11th episode. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. And I am the other host, Curtis Findlay. Uh, awesome. We, uh, we've got some great, great books uh, to jump into today. I... I, I you know, I, I mean, the two, I would say two fantastic books and then one that can kind of go either way. Like, it's arguably gonna, it's, fantastic. It's good. Yeah, it's going to depend on your opinion and your perspective. So I think it actually ended up being a pretty good, a, a, a pretty good turnout this month for, for comics. Um, but before we get into our books this month, uh, we're, we're going to do a couple of things. First off, I, it has basically been a year. Yeah, uh, we we we've uh, we've made it all the way around the bend. Uh, we took and, one month off in yeah, December for Christmas. Yeah, um, which is why this isn't the twelfth episode. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so to sort of commemorate that, we're gonna go over those uh, those uh, ten uh, uh, episodes. Uh, I guess I guess we can include this one as well, right? Uh, sure, sort of if you the, want to. The books yeah, from this, is, this one as well. This is part of the year. Um, and uh, and and sort of give you guys uh, some of our some of our favorite polls from the last year. So if you're just starting to listen, these will be good comics to go back to, and uh, and and then listen to the episodes. Um, did did you want to start or shall I start? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna pick um, out of the ones that I've picked over the year i'll pick one of my top yeah. favorite and then i'll take you uh top favorite of the ones that you suggested okay. and then i'll take a top favorite of the one that the readers you listeners have suggested yeah so um the one that i liked the best that i picked um i i liked a lot of them <laughs> because i think of course because i'm picking to my own tastes yeah i i thought that there were some great books there but my favorite i think um which was a big surprise uh would have to have been afterlife with archie Okay. Um, I just got totally sucked into that. I was yeah. not expecting it to be as good as it was. Yeah. And it just ended up being fantastic. The mm-hmm. art style, the story, just the chances that they took, the treatment that they gave it yeah. was just, it blew my mind. So I thought that was great. I mean, runners up definitely include um, Seconds and Battling Boy and Button Man. But yeah. uh, um, that one, I think, just stood out a little bit above them for myself and it's one that i'll definitely be checking out when the second volume eventually comes out like i'm right on it for sure yeah absolutely uh and afterlife with archie was in episode four so you can if you want to listen to what we have to say about that one um yeah episode four um out of the ones that you picked i think that it's actually in the same episode it was xenozoic Okay. I really liked that. That was such a, an interesting book. Um, really, yeah, it, it, it just, the artwork was amazing. It was a great concept that has, uh, that set the groundwork for many similar kind of concepts in the future. So it was neat to yeah. go back and take a look at, at, that, at that book and see what it was like. So that one was in episode four. Um, I think runner-up 
runners-up for your picks definitely include um, New X-Men and um, Ex Machina. I read after after that. I read the whole Ex Machina, all all those volumes. So. <laughs> yeah, you you've actually finished the series. Yeah, and you I'm have still on volume nine. <laughs> so those ones were good. And um, <laughs> out of the the reader polls, back in our first episode, we read The Escapist. Yeah, and that one I really enjoyed. Out of all of the reader polls, awesome. I think that one uh, really stands out as as a great comic. I, I like that one a lot. Um, I also quite enjoyed uh, Gotham Central. That one was good too. Cool. But I think that was was that last month that we just did that. Uh, one? Oh no, Red Superman Red Sun. Yeah, January. Month. So yeah, um, yeah. So to reiterate, my picks were my favorites were um, the Escapists and Afterlife with Archie and Xenozoic. So cool. there you go. Cool. Well, uh, mine are uh, let's. I'll I'll start with with my own poll. I get that out of the way uh, because it's a little redundant. Because mine is also Xenozo for, <laughs> nice. for my polls. Um, that is, uh, it, it was kind of jumping back into the past uh, uh, as something that that I always knew that I was interested in because the Cadillacs and Dinosaurs cartoon was something that I really enjoyed. And so, I uh, sort of the opportunity to go back. And, and really explore that and check out the source material and find out that this thing that I sort of remembered from my childhood was also this excellent thing that I could enjoy, enjoy even as better. Adult. Yeah, <laughs> even better. So, um, like there's not, there's, I don't, I feel like there's not a lot of times in your life when we start getting into, into, um, your twenties and your thirties where, uh, where you can find sort of a new, franchise or or uh, a sort of story that that you really latch onto that then becomes part of your your own sort of personal mythology right and, and i'm talking about things like star wars like uh, when you read your first spider-man comic book uh when you first get into the x-men or superman or 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 uh, uh ninja turtles a lot of things that end up sort of being part of your personality and 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 sort of the pop culture that you surround yourself with and xenozoic managed to to get itself in there and so uh now i'm just sort of waiting for more xenozoic or or and he's actually other. started talking about yeah. that again yeah about, yeah now that he's i mean he's he does done, that all the time it yeah seems. what's it, storms storms at sea or something like that it, it, his whatever his right. his uh a graphic novel that that he's either just released or is about to i can't remember but um yeah, so uh, I'm I'm really hoping that now now it's the it was maybe the perfect time to read it because now it's gonna it's gonna make a bit of a comeback. I mean, yeah. I, as I said on that episode, I don't know how it's not a movie. I don't know <laughs> yeah. how nobody has tapped it yet, but um, but here's hoping that that happens. I uh, so my my favorite pull from your your pulls uh, would definitely have to be Pyongyang. Okay. Um, I, I don't seek out those types of comics very often, but when I read them, I, I tend to really enjoy them. So uh, there's been a few of your polls that, that, that have absolutely done that for me, but Pyongyang is the one that that stands out above everything else just because of the the, the level that it was at, uh, the, the quality uh, of that comic, both in its storytelling and in, and in the visuals. Um, it just, it really... It's it so really, eye-opening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and it's uh, I I think like it it's we talked about it. It's it's a subjective view, but I think that it's also a very um it's a it's a very accurate view uh, of of what that world is like. Something mm-hmm. 
that we don't really get an opportunity to uh, to understand. And and unlike some of the other comics that we read, like all the stuff that we're reading this month, um, we definitely get to take these peeks into other worlds with comics a lot. But uh, the North fake. Korea definitely yeah. is another world. It's another world, but it's reality. Yeah, like, that yeah. is that is a place. Like that is happening in 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 on our planet in our time. And, uh, and, and I think that that's what made it so fascinating. It was, uh, it was almost, uh, I mean, it is basically a documentary comic because it's, it's, uh, yeah. autobiographical. So, um, yeah, I, I really liked it and it's, it's one that, that I, I highly recommend even, even still to, to anybody who brings up North Korea, mm-hmm. you know, that, that starts talking about it and doesn't yeah. really know what they're talking about. It's like, grab this comic. It's <laughs> actually an, a light easy accessible way to to open up that world right mm-hmm. so that you're not just i don't know looking at reading historical textbooks or reading a wikipedia article right yeah. it's 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 this other way of looking at it first hand accounts yeah yeah that's um, good stuff uh, what what episode is that one from uh let me see P- um uh, from episode 6 okay. young yang's from episode 6 cool um, and then, and then the reader poll, this is probably the hardest one. Cause I think we've had some really great reader polls. This month is actually a, a good contender with, uh, with the new frontier. Um, but I'm going to have to go with battle chasers actually. Um, uh-huh. because I, uh, as we talked about in that episode, uh, I was big on the other two, uh, I, I cliffhanger, I, the titles that that were printed at the same time, uh, Danger Girl and Crimson, and Battle Chasers is just something that I missed, and and to to go back and read that and sort of fill in that that it probably gap. took you back to your it teen did years it or did <laughs> uh, I in fact like it that that probably stands out as my favorite episode uh, uh, that we've done so far, and I'm excited uh, where we plan to revisit Cliffhanger and, and check yeah. out sort of Cliffhanger. Maybe for next uh, November. Uh, yeah, yeah, version two. So That so was episode eight. That was episode eight. Uh, and yeah, I just, I really love Battle Chasers. I, I, I think that there's there's really good bones there, uh, that, that it does have something worth exploring. Um, and it's also kind of, we read it at a good time, similar to Xenozoic, that I, Joe Matarera is is now sort of trumpeting that he's he's going to yeah. bring back the comic. He's going to finish the story that he told before, and uh, and actually make a video game and continue the story, which was I think maybe might have even been one of the things that we talked about. Um, uh, that because he's gone on to to produce uh, the Darksiders video games, but now that that the company that was producing those has gone under and so that's kind of over uh it it was time for him to find something new and for him to be going back to battle chasers i think is really exciting um both for old fans and new ones Mm -hmm. so i and i think it'll be good people will actually be able to go back and read those because i'm sure that as those new issues come out as that end to his story comes out they'll produce a, a another uh, hard hardcover collection that, yeah. that people can actually pick up this time. Um, and who knows? Maybe it'll revive uh, some of the other, um, some of these other like Crimson or yeah, yeah. I mean, oh. Danger Girl's still going strong. But yeah, yeah. Danger Girl's definitely some of those other ones that but, yeah. have fallen to never be seen again. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. So that those those would be mine. What were some of your uh, your disappointments from uh, the past year? 
Um, I would say I Powers was definitely a, a, a big disappointment for me. I I was expecting big things from that. Um and then it it, it kind of really let me down with a with a mediocre plot and sort of these characters that were cribbed from other people's work. Um, and then along the same lines would be Astro City, which I still sort of maintain as like, I, I, I think that Astro City is, is probably the worst book that we've read over the course of the year, which I, I don't know that yeah. that's saying a lot because we've actually pretty much read great books. I don't know yeah. well, that I, there's, that there's yeah. a lot to point to that was really bad. It just wasn't for me. It wasn't my taste. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. Cause I enjoyed Astro City more than Powers. Yeah. Um, that Powers was the the, the big disappointment for me for sure i think and you know and it's funny that you mentioned battle chasers being your favorite because that was mm-hmm. actually kind of a disappointment for me too i yeah it wasn't bad i'm not gonna say it was a terrible book but it didn't live up because i hadn't read it before either it didn't live up to the yeah it's hype or whatever as well and we discussed that back in november as well um yeah there you go but in general we've had a great a great year uh, we've picked yeah. some awesome comics and you readers have picked some awesome comics too and we thank you for um for being on this journey with us and for suggesting some awesome comics for us because i t- i tell you i wouldn't have read batman the court of owls if yeah it no. wouldn't if it wasn't suggested no way yeah no it's been good i think i think uh, one of the purposes that we sort of set out uh, uh, to to accomplish with pullbox was um was to give ourselves reasons to read things that are out of our comfort zone. Yeah. And and we've definitely accomplished that. And in some instances, it hasn't worked uh, uh, super well. But in other instances, it's been a huge success. And I think that the success has far outweighed the, the, the failures. Because when we well, look even... at back at this list, it, it is, I would say it's 90, if not 95% excellent comics yeah and then a few that are just kind of okay right well and those comics are 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 great for other people like it's not like we like we didn't enjoy them but we didn't pull i i would still say that astro city and powers they they had a a big impact on absolutely on comics and stuff so and and people really enjoy them yeah and that's that's totally cool and that's why we like to to discuss it as well yeah the varying opinions um it's kind of it would kind of be a a dull podcast if we didn't yeah. disagree at some times. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think uh, the, I'm looking forward to this next year. I uh, and um, I guess this month, what we're discussing is not the start of the next year, is it? So, um, <laughs> it's still kind of this year. Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe we should have done this re- retrospective next month. <laughs> but no, we <laughs> have fine. other things going it's on fine. next yeah, month. Yeah, we have important things going on next month. So. Yeah, uh, uh, did you did you want to, to to tell the listeners about that now, or do you want to? Nah, tell let's them? make them wait. Let's, let's make, make them wait, wait okay, till the so, end of the yeah, episode. Yeah, you got You got to listen all the way through. Uh, awesome. Or skip ahead. <laughs> yes. I I cool. Well, I I did you let's I uh, let's jump in. Let's yeah. jump into uh, to Invincible. My poll. I so I'm just gonna grab my book. I so my my poll for this month was recommended to me. It's kind of half my pull, half Greg Miller's pull, and that's uh, uh, Invincible Ultimate Collection Volume One. Uh, now, the Ultimate Collection encompasses the first fourteen, sorry, thirteen issues, which is the first three trade trade paperbacks. Yeah, and uh, and and 
sort of as we'll discuss, it's a good thing that that we actually did go with the ultimate uh, collection. Yeah. Uh, I, because that first volume, although I I being I think pretty good. Yeah. It was. I it's it's often referred to as as sort of like the. The, a bit of a dull start to what ends up being a fantastic series. And um, you can see that when you read the other yeah. ones. Um, it stands alone great. Yeah. And even if you only read that first volume uh, and don't read anything more, it still is a it's a good read. Yeah. But it just does a... Well, we'll get into that. What do you tell us? Yeah. What is this book about? Who is it by? Okay, so I, I it created it's it was created by Robert Kirkman and Corey Walker. Uh, Robert Kirkman might be a familiar name. He should be a familiar Hopefully. name uh, at this point because he is the creator of The Walking Dead, which is another fantastic comic book series that I'm sure at some point either either uh, one of us will pull or or more than likely a reader will ask us to go I'm back. Surprised and read. they haven't. Yeah, yeah. I'm already. really surprised we haven't gotten it yet. Um, uh, so Robert Kirkman was the uh, uh, writer and letterer. Uh, Corey Walker is uh, the penciler and inker. Uh, Ryan Otley did uh, did a, did a little bit of the pencils and inks as well because because there's uh, there's a couple of places where it sort of so flips a little bit. We right? can we can get into that. I yeah. was reading some of the history on this, and okay. Corey Walker couldn't keep up with a monthly schedule. Okay, so there's one issue in the middle there that. Um, Kirkman pulled in a whole bunch of favors from other artists. Yeah. So there, there's one issue where it introduces this world's Justice League. Yeah. Um, and a different artist draws different character, takes a couple pages, just because they're behind on some schedules. Yeah. And then Walker had to step back, and and Otley took over, and he's been the artist ever since. Oh, okay. Um, and then you've got Bill Crabtree as color colorist, uh, and then Ryan Otley and Bill Crabtree as as the cover artist. Um, throughout, I guess. Uh, oh yeah, and then we yeah okay. So there's all the these sequences that have the the uh, the artists and, and everything there. Um, I think the the interesting thing is that it it was created by Kirkman and and uh, Walker. Uh, yep. Because here's the thing. It, this is basically another. <laughs> we talk about powers, and we talked about Astro City already this episode. Invincible is another in that sort of genre i think uh, if we can call it a genre of of alternate takes on classic superheroes right right um, yep. sort of uh, exploring exploring the characters that we know and love whether they be superman and batman or spider-man and and uh, captain america and wolverine iron man all those sorts of characters that are classic that that exist in these continuities um, that are maybe a little bit inaccessible for some people, yeah. Um, because the continuities are so so wide uh, and and deep. Uh, so so there's there's sort of been all these comics, a lot of them actually by Image, that that have explored um, the iconic aspects of those heroes. Uh, and for my money, of the ones that we've read so far, and I know that there's a few others out there, and we'll probably hit hit on those as well, because because they're they tend to be pretty critically acclaimed. Uh, but for my money so far, Invincible is the one that does it the best. I I it, it basically the the story is about uh, our our main character is Mark, right? That's the main character. Yep. Yeah. I who I the title character Invincible. Who I he is the son of basically this world's Superman, who's who's called Omni Man, and uh, it it sort of starts off 
I, it's you're you're kind of thrown right into it because it starts off with him discovering that he's finally gotten his superpowers. He's been he's he's been uh, I, it's sort of inferred he's been waiting his entire life for when these superpowers would kick in, yeah. and uh, and it's basically when he's he's sixteen that that he finally gets his powers. And the thing that I love about it the most is that I uh, I think a lot of other writers would take that and make it a big deal and maybe make him hide it or like it would be like this sort of um, secret identity aspect to it. In Invincible, he just sits down at the dinner table and his mom goes, so how was your day? He's like, pretty good. I think I got my superpowers. (laughs) And she's like, oh, that's wonderful. Your father will be so happy. And like, and that's it, right? Like, And so then from then on out, it's sort of just him learning the ropes. Um, It's very much a story about a father and a son. I, uh, at least in in these volumes, and I'm sure that that it's going to expand as it goes forward. Definitely. But but in this beginning, in this uh, ultimate collection, volume one, it's very much about the relationship between Mark and his father, uh, Omni Man, and uh, and 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 what it means to be at first to be the son of the world's greatest superhero, and then towards the end of it, and man, if you haven't read it spoilers right like that's what we're here for we're discussing it uh basically by the end of it he discovers that his father is actually probably it's the earth's greatest villain right he's uh he's he's unstoppable and he (laughs) i love it because we start off we get omni-man's origin and it's very much superman's origin yep so you're just kind of like oh this is just like a slightly different superman story that's fine whatever I I but it's actually a bit of a red herring because Kirkman's lulling you into this false sense of security of like you know this character he's Superman and then what it turns out that he's actually more Superman Red Sun than he is Superman <laughs> classic. So and I love the way they told that because yeah. he used um they used the same images um yeah. when he was telling his the actual story as that he they they used um, in the whatever the third or fourth issue when yeah. he was telling the the made up origin story, but just it was much more bloody and gruesome. Yeah. But it was the yeah. same the same thing. So, yeah, it was sort it, of the same narrative and the same yeah. panel layout. It it, yep. it, it, it like because it's a it's a it's a flashback sequence essentially. Like he's telling this story, and so he tells it twice in the comic, and yeah. and uh, and the second time around we get the real story. Yeah, uh, which is that he didn't come from a planet of super. Uh, well, th- he did come from a planet of super intelligent uh, aliens that look just like humans, just like Krypton, basically. But they actually are more warrior-like. And uh, once they'd beaten the crap out of each other enough, they decided to take over the galaxy <laughs> with yeah. their strength. And uh, and so Omni-Man is actually on Earth to prepare it for um, uh, invasion slash takeover uh, uh, by this this uh galactic empire um uh my other favorite part of this of this series so far is the the alien that he fights <laughs> yeah at, he sort of fights this alien like uh, it's one of his his first tests where where omni-man sends him out into space to go meet this guy who's who's coming towards earth that uh that at first we think is a threat and they fight and then uh, where Mark, uh, as Invincible, differs from his father is that he's like, he, he talks to this guy, right? He talks to this alien and the alien ends up telling him like, oh, I'm, 
I'm actually like, like uh, this is a service that I provide. I go from <laughs> planet to planet testing its guardians to make sure that, that it's safe from alien threats, from, from the threats in the larger galaxy. Um, and I've, I've fought Omni-Man how many times, and, 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 and it's great, but you must be the new protector, so, so you, good, good job. So like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, like, like, let's fight. And then he explains, like, oh, no, that you're, you're looking for, like, Urath. This is Earth. And <laughs> he's like, oh, oh, crap, I'm in the wrong place. And he takes off. And then he ends up coming back later I, I, after we've gotten the reveal that Omni-Man is, is, is actually a bad guy, part of this, this evil empire. And he comes back and is like, I'm so sorry. I, I, if I had known, I would have warned you, but you're on like the no fly list, basically. Like, like <laughs> because the, you the, have this guy living. Yeah. Because you. you're, you're, you're basically, I, I, I scheduled to be invaded at some point and we stay away from these people as much as possible. And that's frightening. Yeah. Yeah. The guy that that's powerful. Yeah. Power, powerful enough to take on Omni-Man is now frightened yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. So in this book, there are they, they have these same sort of archetypes as they did in Astro City. Like you have the Superman character, you have the Batman character. We meet the the whole Justice League. Like these um, these archetypes are used in this book um, mm-hmm. so that you're familiar with the characters. And you don't need the backstory or whatever. Um, but why why is your reaction to these ones in Invincible so different from the reactions in in the ones uh, from the ones in uh, Astro City? So. I think in Astro City, the, the, the characters that are presented there, the archetypes, are uh, they, they are sort of, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, they are cribbed directly from DC and Marvel. Like they, yeah. are, they are more or less taken out of those pages and put into, into Astro City. Um, and, and I feel pretty similarly with powers right like they they're just kind they, of they are here too in, in invincible so they are but the 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 anthology format of astro city in particular means that we're kind of jumping from character to character and we're never really spending any time with with anyone in particular um because we're we're expected to already know the character right we're expected to already understand that this guy is basically superman yeah and we're Omni-Man is, for all intents and purposes, this universe's version of Superman, and Darkwing is their version of Batman. Um, it, it, there, there's two things at play. Either, either in the in the instance of Darkwing and the and their version of the Justice League, the Guardians of the Globe, I those characters don't stick around for very long. No, they sure don't. <laughs> we sort of get their introductions, and I think like it was a it was another one of those red herrings where it's like let's introduce all of these heroes into this world and then immediately kill all of them, right? So I, I it was important that we know that these characters existed because it's going to inform the world that exists, right? The yeah. world that Invincible takes place in. But right off the bat, there's this stark derivation from that right so we're just gonna go way off into left field uh, and now those characters are not usable ever again yeah yeah basically <clears throat> um, then, i guess the superman character does the same thing um by ending up turning and being a different version of superman yeah. but at the same time where omni-man is presented very early on as being superman um He's also very different. He has different character traits. He is a family man. He's a father. There is that father-son dynamic going on between him and Mark 
that I think is super important and it is really in, in this volume and I'm excited to read further into the series. It is, uh, it's, it's, it's so important to the story and it's really what it hinges upon in the beginning. And And Mark is his own character. I think that as much as, as much as I can draw parallels, he's, he's got a little bit of Peter Parker. I think you're right. He does have a lot of Tim Drake and that's probably one of the reasons why I like his character so much because Tim (laughs) Drake is my favorite Robin. Um, so like there is there's a lot of connection there but he's his own character but he yeah he is very much his own character and at the core of it the book is about him the book is about him and it's about this dilemma that he's presented with right they they um and at first it just seems like it's going to be about a teenager with superpowers and how do you deal with the fact that you know you're you have a superhero partner that is this beautiful girl and uh, I, you know, like, do you like her? Are you going to date her? Like, is it going to be another Spider-Man loves Mary Jane? Right. Uh, but it very quickly, like, although those elements are in there, like, don't get me wrong. They're there. And I love it because I love Spider-Man loves Mary Jane. Uh, it, it, it's not the focus. Those are secondary stories. And I'm sure they'll be explored later on in, in, in later books. But within this one, I, I, it is really about that plot of Mark discovering his powers, learning to be a superhero. And then right when he thinks he has a handle on it, his dad throws him this curveball, and he doesn't even have a handle on it. Yeah. True. True. Still a noob. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and trying to figure out college and everything like, and then, and then we get this whole status quo shift. Yeah. And not just that his dad took it, it is turned into a villain but all of the other prominent superheroes are gone yeah so all of a sudden he's the guy yeah along with a few others that now has to pick up the slack yeah um so it's it it goes from a very light-hearted first volume to very serious all of a sudden um by the end of the the end of this volume this this big book here yeah and that's, yeah, it's uh, foreboding at the end, right? Yeah. Like it really it ends on this note of 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 like this whole really the whole adventure is ahead of Invincible and uh he has no idea how he's going to tackle it. Like yeah. he, he the, he's been given a task uh, to basically save the world and uh and and he's not alone and I think that that's one of the things that makes it really exciting. Is that you know uh, uh, the alien guy that I mentioned before? He's gonna go off to the resistance basically and tell them, okay, we have one of these people. He's the son of Omni Man of, of yeah. one of them. But he's not like them. But he he wants to fight them. He wants to help yeah. us. And I thought it was so interesting because there was an opportunity for conflict between the two of them, where Mark would have been like, "Look, I don't have any stake in your galactic whatever. I'm just gonna protect Earth." But instead, he goes, "Yeah, you go tell those people that like I'm in, like that I'm that I'm part of your team now because we're gonna need all the help we can get, yeah. right? Like that, like it's gonna take a galaxy to stop them, right? And and it, I don't know. There's a there's a at the at the same time that there's this massive scope to the story, it is very singularly about one character. Yeah. And I think that that is where it differs from Astro City and where it really uh, uh, has its strength is in that character of Mark. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I, like I, I immediately clamped onto him and was like, 
I like this character. Definitely. I want to see where this goes. Yeah, and he's the of course, yeah, he's the one that we relate to, and that's yeah. what Astro City lacks is that singular yeah. character. Yeah. And I think that if we had read more, um, more volumes, then we would probably get that character. I think and so. And I think that Superman character will evolve, would evolve into like who knows? We should probably read some more to see. If, yeah. Um, but. Uh, uh, because now that universe has become its own thing, yeah. and I'm sure that it's, you know, the the parallels between the characters are not as great as they were in the first first volume. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Invincible. Um, did you notice that his uh, costume has an eye on it? Yes, I did. And I it's did. the image eye. Yeah. Um, I, in fact, I, the immortal also has an eye on his costume. What? I didn't uh, know. Yeah, he does. I, I, so it's, I, it's, it's a funny thing that, that they both have that, but it's explained in universe and it's, it's all subtext. All of their costumes right. were made by the same guy. Yeah. The right? Edna mode of Yeah, the, exactly. <laughs> so, so that's one of the reasons why everybody's kind of got the same thing, but I loved it because that, that was another one of my favorite characters. Because I, I, he talks in the comic about like, yeah, everybody comes in and they want the iconic costume. <laughs> and it's like, what Being is that? a graphic mean? designer, you understand yeah. it completely. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and creating characters of my own uh, throughout, throughout the years. And I'm sure that you've done the same thing. Yeah. You know, I, I oh, just working with your... a client. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Or I, uh, people say, oh, well, we want it to be iconic. and Or you're trying to go for iconic and you... And it's so hard to hit that. But here's the thing. Here's where this comic nails that. Simplicity. Yeah. Like, that is the thing. And that's one of the reasons why the New 52, just to have a very minor tangent about New 52, <laughs> misses the boat on the iconic aspects of of the DC universe. I got that Superman statue over there, and he is red, blue, and yellow. There are no lines on him. He, it's not made out of 16 different materials. It is very simple. Spandex, red trunks, leather belt, leather cape, leather ass. Like it, it, it's, simplicity is the key to creating iconic characters. And Invincible, his costume, as well as Omni-Man's costume, it, they are, they're bold and they create silhouettes. Yeah. And, and uh, what, like both a, a silhouette of the character in, in the traditional sense, but then also silhouettes within the character's costume. Yeah. So Omni-Man, you, can, you see him from a distance and when he's a little tiny figure in the comic and you know it's Omni-Man, you see him close up and you know it's Omni-Man. Same with Invincible. Same with, uh, with uh, is the, the guy's just na- name is just Robot. Right? Robot, yeah. Yeah, and Adam Eve is a fantastic costume because it, it says a lot about her character. It immediately communicates who she is, as well as having its own iconic look to it. Yeah. Um, she's very much Supergirl, but she's like this sexy, uh, I, I, very it, like like almost like like excessively sexual character uh, because she is a sixteen year old girl. So you're like, oh, it's a little bit inappropriate. <laughs> but there's a commentary there that like Supergirl is a little bit inappropriate. And you know what? Here's the thing. To tie it in, because I just mentioned Supergirl, we've seen the Supergirl costume from the new Supergirl TV series. Yeah, that costume hits the mark. Yeah, like it, I love it, it is, and and it's it's exactly the same thing as as what I'm talking about here. It hits the iconic mark because it's simple. Yeah, because it's about bold shapes and and I'll say like, I love Arrow. Everybody knows that I love Arrow. I do not like his costume very much. And and uh, that world 
is sort of built on these overly complex textured laced like sort of yeah, like these yeah. overdone costumes and some of them work and some of them don't um but like the, i don't know that they're iconic like i wouldn't consider arrow's costume to be an iconic costume in fact part of it is the hood is iconic part yeah parts of it, like i mean well it obviously it draws from green arrow so yeah. as long as you have that sort of that green hood look you're, yeah you're you're most of the way there but um but it, it, they also but miss you, out on a lot of green arrow's iconic look if you gave me a piece of paper right now and asked me to yeah. draw green arrow's costume from that show i wouldn't be able to do it you'd get maybe 10 percent of the way there yeah yeah, and Even that's though I've exactly seen every it. episode. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it, right? Um, and the Flash does it a little bit better, uh, but that Supergirl costume does it perfectly because yeah. I bet you I could draw that Supergirl costume and right. be like ninety percent of the way there. Yeah, because it's bold, right? And 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 Invincible, all of the characters in this book, I think, uh, uh, that are meant to hit that note, hit that note because we get a lot of superheroes in it, and a lot of them I think are supposed to be sort of forgettable or just like background noise. But but Invincible himself is spot on. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I, I th- this is uh, Greg Miller has said it on many occasions on 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 his podcast. Why have they not made this into a movie? Like <laughs> I don't understand why it hasn't been optioned. And maybe give it a couple more years for Superman and everything to be a little bit more established. And then when those comic book, when, everybody keeps talking about when the comic book movies are going to sort of crash, people are going to get tired of going to comic book movies. That'll be the perfect time for invincible to come in and do the Turn comic book head. movie. Yeah, yeah. But with a twist, right? Well, maybe once walking dead dies down. Yeah. Because I think Kirkman's still pretty involved in that. Yeah, I think so, so. too. And he's writing those two monthly books still. Both yeah. Invincible and Walking Dead are going strong. Yeah. And I think he's got other projects going on as well. That guy's busy. Yeah. Um, sure. We should move on. Actually, I wanted to just mention the artwork. Um, yeah. Talk about simplicity. This is a very simplistic uh, style yeah. that this guy is working with. Um, both Corey Walker and what's the other guy's name? Atlee? Uh, Ryan Otley. Ryan Otley. Yeah. Um, they, first of all, they have a very similar style. Yes, um, I didn't so, even notice. Yeah, uh, to exactly. Be honest, like I didn't notice that they that that artists switched. Yeah, the um, Ryan it's, Otley is a little bit better. He doesn't do the dot eyes that I just got sick of by the end of the first couple. of Yeah, <laughs> and 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 you would you could be forgiven for mistaking that just for progression, right? Just for an artist's natural right. progression. No, but they they the eyes got worse because he was rushing. Yeah. So um, by the end of the the middle of the book there, I'm, I read them in volumes, so I keep referring them to, in, in, by the end of the second volume, yeah. um, he's doing lots of these dot eyes, and I, because he's trying to rush to get his pages out, and his, his background's got more sparse, but, um, but he, and then Ryan, Ryan Otley comes in, and uh, has a very similar style, but he just, I don't know, he, he, is a little bit more refined. It seems can, like a little bit more experienced. Or can something. I just say that the moment when he meets the comic book artist, his favorite comic <laughs> yeah. book artist, and there's that page that is basically two panels yep. strung out over an entire page. Yep. And it just like, oh my god, it was fantastic. I well, and that literally was a, laughed out loud. Yeah. And 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 now I understand that there's a there's a a, a commentary in yeah. there. Yeah. Well, because. A couple of issues before that. Yeah. Um, am I in volume two? Where's volume two here? So um, a couple of issues before that, they had the issue where all of the different artists take um, took a swing at a couple of pages, yeah. right? So the first two pages of that issue 
are all the same. Yeah. Um, so because the guy couldn't get his workout on time, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I, I really like the simplistic the simplistic style. Yeah, um, me it too. reminds me a lot of kind of the French, uh, French Belgian, mm. um, like Tintin kind of very simple, um, clean style. Yeah. Um, not messing with the shading. Um, kind of letting the coloring do that. I, I love the coloring in this too. It's very yeah. much uh, sort of um, animation kind of the yeah with the, yeah. the solid solid yeah. Um, it looks almost like animation cells. Yeah, it was great. And I've looked at the further volumes, and they by the volume twenty or so, they get completely away from that. It's very modern coloring, and, okay. and um, it, it looks quite different. But I, there's a I'm sure there's a progression in that. Um, but yeah, I was. Um, honestly my my cousin lent me the first 20 or so volumes yeah and i read the first three early on in the month and it's been killing me i've purposely <laughs> haven't read the fourth volume yeah. because i want to i don't want to go ahead um before we recorded this yeah i didn't want to get ahead of myself but you can bet as soon as i turn this off i'm gonna pick up <laughs> the next one and read it because yeah. it was uh i want to know what happens next i i went on amazon and i added all of the 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 uh, ultimate collection volumes i think they're up to volume nine or ten now i added them all on my amazon wish list so they're all they're all <laughs> sitting there, there just waiting for me to to purchase them and uh and when people ask me you know birthdays and and christmas uh what do you want it's gonna be like here's the link yeah there you go <laughs> here's the link and and just just pick those off for yeah. me um, yeah, cause, cause I do, I want to continue reading it and I, I'm so glad that I went for the ultimate collection. Yeah. Um, cause I had the opportunity to just buy the individual, uh, uh, volumes yeah. and, and I thought like, oh, it's basically the same, same price. I'm going to pay about $4 more for the ultimate collection. I'll just get that. If I don't like it, I can probably resell it. It's not a big deal. Um, but I'm so glad that I did because this is a comic I'm sure is that is going to go up on 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 my bookshelf alongside Why the Last Man and, yeah. and Scott Pilgrim and all of these other nice uh, hardcover editions that I have in Saga, which I have like the 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 fancy hardcover for. So yeah, um, yeah, it's I I I I couldn't be happier with this book. Good. Um, it is probably my number two after Xenozoic oh, for yeah. what we've read so nice. far. Because it's a new thing for me to jump onto. Yeah. So yeah. it's this whole new new world to explore. So cool. Good. Let's let's jump into yours. Okay. My pick this month is uh, Rat Queens by Curtis J. Weave and Rock Upchurch. And it is um, it's a fantasy story starring uh, four girls that are in a team called the Rat Queens and uh, um, through the course of this book, um, there are these assassins that start killing off particular groups of, of people in this, in their village or whatever. And, mm -hmm. um, the rat queens are targeted as well, but they happen to have the, uh, the ability to, to thwart all of their plans. And so they kind of have to figure out what's going on, who's, who's behind it and, uh, what are they going to do about it? Now, the, um, I, this has been getting a lot of press um, because of the relationship between the writer and the artist, um, which we can get into a little bit later. Um, but it's also, uh, people seem to really like it, so I wanted to check it out too. And um, and I liked it. I thought that it had a, it had a good story. Uh, I don't usually read a whole lot of, of uh, fantasy-style books. Okay. Um, I'm not... I mean, Lord of the Rings, I watch those, but I haven't cared about The Hobbit. So it's like, I'm not into yeah. into that side of of uh of i don't know 
of geekdom. So it, it's, it's nice and refreshing. Um, I think that these characters, uh, you'd know better than me, they probably play, they probably embody certain archetypes as well. Yeah. Um, which was good for me not knowing I could I just because <laughs> I could just go into it yeah. and, and know what I'm what I'm getting into. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it was nice. They had um, a little bit of detective work in there, which was nice. So it wasn't just kind of re- reacting to certain circumstances and yeah. having things handed to them. And um, um, I, I, I like the characters and the artwork is it was a lot more violent than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Holy cow, this thing is violent. Yeah, it, it um, does go there. But uh, it's it's very crass. Like like the there's a lot of like whether it's the violence or the language, like it, it intentionally so. Like it's it's meant to be sort of like ultra violence yeah. and and you know uh, dirty language. Yeah, um, but in a over the top yeah. kind of way, yeah, used for I effect. Mean, there's one volume of Quentin Tarantino esque. Yeah, very yeah, very Quentin Tarantino. And there because there's one was one volume of Walking Dead. Um, I don't know, eighteen or nineteen. I can't remember. Where I'm not going to spoil it. One of the characters dies in a very graphic way, hmm. and I literally felt sick after what not watching because it, it wasn't on TV. Uh, after reading it. It was, uh, it was brutal, and this is more violent than that, but in such an over-the-top way that it was, it you can kind of put yourself off from it. I don't know, lots of fun. I um, they, uh, they, they, re- there's a lot of references. The characters say a lot of things that uh, reference modern day th- things. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't remember any of the examples. Well, one of the characters has basically a cell phone, but really it's just an enchanted rock. Oh yeah, right, yeah. that she talks into so that she can talk to her parents. And then the, right. another one of the girls is like, "Oh, I wish I had one of those." And yeah, you know, like it, so it, a lot it of was very much like, "Oh, you have a cell phone. Yeah. I wish I had a cell phone." <laughs> um, and that's like that's something I, I've been reading a lot of um, of uh, manga by Osama Tezuka. Okay. Um, who's like the Astro Boy guy, and he did a series called Phoenix, and a lot of it takes place um, in the Stone Age, like they're cavemen, but the cavemen will make references to modern movies of that time and that kind of thing. Okay. Like it's totally serious, a uh, very serious book with these characters that are cavemen, but every once in a while he'll just stick that little thing in there mm-hmm. as it's just a funny aside, and it seems so out of place, but then he does it a few times and it becomes a thing, and it's like. It, it's funny. It, yeah. uh, it's it's his way of in, injecting some humor in there. And so, I don't know. Um, what are your thoughts? So, I I, I will say, uh, I, I, I probably didn't enjoy it as much as you did. Um, uh, I think this is another instance of a book that's just not really for me. Uh, that, that I see why other people like it. Um, I, like, I, I, it has a lot of strengths. It really does. I it, It's just not the sort of thing that I want to spend my time with. Okay. Um, especially when you put it up against the other two books that we read this month. I, I, and I read rat Queens last, which was probably the biggest mistake. I should have read it first. <laughs> um, cause it just, it doesn't stack up against these other two things, which are superheroes. And you know, like that, that's my thing. Uh, but I do love fantasy. Uh, I do love D and D and anybody who spent, a significant amount of time playing Dungeons and Dragons will recognize a lot of the tropes 
okay. and a lot of the 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 plot elements that happen in this book. Right, because I'm not a D and D player yeah. at all, so I didn't. So I for you, it was just a story. For me, I I couldn't help but dissect it as what it is, which is a straight up D and D campaign. Like right from the outset, that's how it's that is exactly how how it's set up. Uh, basically, these this town has a bunch of adventuring parties which are the player groups okay um and then everybody else are npcs so whether it's the rat queens or the four daves or you know like the other different groups yeah the four uh so we've got the rat queens the peaches the four daves the brother ponies which is a bronies reference (laughs) uh and then the obsidian darkness these are basically four different five different D D groups uh, and and really like I could go into and break down each one of them and say like well this is this type of group these are these people I mean the the one at the bottom is probably the best example because that is clearly the goth kids playing D and D they're all dressed in black they're yeah. they like that's the that's that sort of, like, it's really poking fun at at vampire the masquerade and stuff like that so okay um, like there's a whole subtext going on in this book that for for people who do play role playing games. Um, I, it's going to go one of two ways for you. It's either going to go uh, the opposite of how I felt about it, and you're going to be like, oh, that's cute. Oh, that's clever. Or it's going to go the way that it went with me, which was like, yeah, okay. So what's your point? <laughs> that was kind of like, it just all kind of fell flat with me because I have played so much d and I think, that, that um, I've seen, like, it, it, this is just, it's just repeat. And I, I was sort of getting into this point before. Anybody who's played D&D for a significant amount of time, at one point in time, somebody in your group, it may even have been you, I'll put my hands up when I say that, has said, man, this is so good. This story is going so well. It's excellent. All of our characters are so cool. Somebody should be writing this down because it would make an awesome comic book. <laughs> Or an awesome movie, or an awesome video game, or an awesome X creative property, and and for me that I feel like that's exactly what has happened here. I not exactly. I shouldn't say that. I don't think that they actually sat down and played this. I think that these characters were all created by by uh, 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 Curtis J. Weeb, and and he sort of set them all out in this world. But he's basically playing out a D and D campaign as both sides, the GM and the players. And uh, the thing that really annoys me is that they just all roll 20s the whole time. <laughs> I, I, everybody's just rolling 20s. 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. Like, they all critical hit every time they do anything. I never really felt like anybody was in danger, especially because that first encounter, she just heals, she just heals her afterwards. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, so there's no rules here. Like, like there's no... That it, it, I well, I'm sure there are. I mean, if one of the characters got their head cut off, I'm sure that yes, okay, yeah. There so might... there were the 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 uh, side characters were definitely up for grabs. Yeah, but I, I our characters, our our main uh, four characters, didn't really didn't well, really not, have anything to be worried about. But of course, because that's the first volume, they're yes. definitely not going to have true. anything to worry about. Like they, they were just in, introduced to them. I personally would have added a fifth character to the story just to kill, just them. To kill them in that first encounter. <laughs> yeah. Um, because that's how, that's what it looked, the way that that's it looked like it was going to go. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You add in a, 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 
Irish character just to kill him off yeah. in the first season. I, in the first like six episodes. Yeah. Or so, spoilers. Put in the opening credits spoilers and... for for Angel uh, season one. <laughs> I, <laughs> That's just so old. Yeah. Now. You um, should have watched it by now. Your own fault. So. All of that said, like that—that's it's, I, I the setting isn't for me, and the world isn't for me. The characters, I think, I uh, have little sort of like notes of of interesting elements that that kept me going throughout it. That's good. The last issue definitely does sort of start to wrap everything up and put it on more of an actual plot rather than just a D and D campaign, which like because it. Again, if you've played D&D, the sequence where they go, okay, we have to break into this guy's place and get information, that is, that's a that's a D&D session. Oh, like is that, it? Yeah. that was literally just like, like okay, so I, like I can break it down I was thinking more you. of like an Italian job sort of, sort of thing. <laughs> so the characters uh, as they are, let's see, I, I'll get their names because we've got these, the, the posters. Uh, Betty is... is uh, She's a hobbit, but they call them smidgens in this, and yeah. she's got much larger ears. Um, but she, they're basically a hobbit or a halfling. Uh, she's a she's a, a, a smidgen rogue. Um, uh, D is is a, a, I'd I'd probably go with. Uh, I think she's supposed to be a wizard. It's really unclear what her character class is. And well, that isn't was one Hannah of the more of the wizard? Um, Hannah is a sorcerer. Because oh. she doesn't have a book, she doesn't use a book to cast spells. Wizards use use have to basically wizards carry around a book of spells, and they can cast any spell they want. They just have to have it in the book, and they have to look it up. So it'll it'll usually take so a little bit more Dee preparation. Have the book? Uh, I can't remember, but she does like the she sort of has like these sort of prepared spells that she does. Uh, I think I can't remember. I don't remember really what she ever does. Uh, she is probably the character that I have the hardest time with, and I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Um, Hannah is very clearly a sorcerer because she uses wands and staffs. Yeah. So like those are all charged, and at one point she's fighting, and her staff runs out of charges, so it's just a stick. Yeah. Right, and she's like okay. she she can't use it anymore. And then Violet is is either a fighter or maybe a barbarian. I don't know. Like it's it's a little bit unclear because she's kind of got a barbarian attitude, but. But I think she's supposed to be just more so the the sword, uh, yeah. uh, the 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 bruiser, and maybe one of the reasons why I'm having a hard time is because maybe these might be more like MMO characters than D and D characters. But um, you know, and now that you, you're talking about this all, it's like yeah, I um, I watched the old Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from okay. the '80s, yeah. and a lot of this now that you point out these characters, they're yeah, a lot of them are the same. Yeah, um, and also at the end of the uh, end of the issues, they there's a little box that says like put uh, plus five on attack rolls against yeah. dudes named Gary. Like I should have put that all together. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I that my one other big issue with it is that um, I don't know the characters to me, although being it's it's for girls and i think that's one of the reasons why the comic has gotten a lot of press is that it's the it's it's this group of four teenage-ish girls um uh which is cool it's great i support that i promote that i want that to happen more in comics for sure um but where everybody else has sort of been saying that they're they're these fully fleshed out characters to me they almost seem a little bit more one note like they're all four of them are, are party girls 
from the outset and that's sort of how they're presented and then all of a sudden in the last issue we get this thing where like oh oh but not d d is is an introvert she doesn't like the parties and it's like well she hasn't really said anything to indicate that at all before that so it just felt to me like like at a certain point i feel like the last issue he he by then he might have actually caught on to a few of the like that that the characters aren't that dissimilar from one another that that other than their character classes they are all all basically the same person with the exception of betty who is just take any one of the other ones and multiply it by five and then that's her character um which is fine like it like and this is this is how D D groups go right i i Characters don't get an opportunity to have a character. Usually they're just whoever is sitting behind uh, the pen and paper rolling the dice, right? Until you start to get into these scenarios where you're forced with a choice or or you're not in combat. And then all of a sudden character traits start coming out because right. you start playing your character a certain yeah. way. Hmm. Um, and it felt a little bit like that's what was going on. So... I think that there's a lot of promise in it. I think that, that moving forward, it'll 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 get better and better and better. Uh, so maybe it is that that first... I think like we're sort of recognizing now that unless it's a... Um, unless it's something that's self-contained, if we're reading a first volume, a lot of the time, it's not really an indicator of the overall quality of that series, right? If we had just read the first volume of Invincible, we would have had a lot less to talk about today. Right. Yeah, uh, we just read the first volume of Ninja Turtles, and if not for the fact that I have read every volume of Ninja Turtles, when we talked about that, there probably wouldn't have been that much to talk about, right? But I started talking about other stuff further down the line. Mm-hmm. Same with uh, uh, all new X Men, right? The first volumes are kind of rough. They're great jumping on points, obviously, because yep. they're the beginning of a story, but the the. The promise, I think this is probably my, my biggest um, I, I hang up with this book. The promise of what this book is isn't realized in this first volume. And uh, I would say that that is actually very similar to Delilah Dirk, where Delilah Dirk uh, was great and it was a lot of fun. But the thing that I loved about Delilah Dirk the most is the promise of what's next. Right. And and with a lot of our first volumes, I think that, that has been the case. So that said, I I will probably keep my eyes on this series uh, because it is doing really cool things, really interesting things that, that more comics authors and artists should be doing. Like they're not all, uh, uh, you know, size zero uh, supermodels. They don't all look like, like Supergirl and Wonder Woman. Um, they they well, look they have like their Betty Page mod, uh, characters. Yeah, <laughs> they, they they look like real people, and 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 I think that that is a fantastic thing. I think that yeah. they that that's a great element to it. Um, I wanted to see more distinct characters. I think I think that that's that's well, probably like said, what it comes down to for me. Is that once once you start learning about their backstories is yeah. where the characters come out, and we yeah. and like you said, they started doing that toward the end. Um, yeah. and it'll be interesting. To see uh, Hannah's backstory because they, um, I'm not Hannah, um, Violet's backstory because they start talking about like we get to meet her brother, yeah. her twin brother with the beard and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, yeah, I'm gonna check out the second volume because, like I said, I enjoyed this one. Yeah. So I'll, I'll it, 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 here's here's one. here's my caveat, and I'll put this out there: if the second volume 
uh, in the second volume, Violet does start growing her beard out, I will read it. <laughs> okay. I will read it because like that indicates to me that it, there's there's a character progression that's going to happen and okay. that interesting things happen. Well, if I'll she you know. if if none of that happens, then it was just like a, it's a broken promise. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's it's like oh because she makes a comment at the end of of the volume. Where she goes like, oh, I grow every- back. Yeah, yeah, everybody's shaving their beards now. It used to be a statement. I should grow mine back. And it's like, if she does that, then there's something interesting going yeah. on with that character. Or maybe that was just a one-off euphemism for shaving other parts. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Uh, uh, so they, uh, I, I really like the artwork in this too. Yeah. Um, I thought that this uh, Rock Up Church, which I've, I've never heard of him before until this... Um, did some really neat things here and i especially like um the the backgrounds that are not in focus giving it a larger depth of field or okay. like a forced depth of field yeah um i thought that was a neat effect because the comics don't usually do that um but just is a i really like the way he draws hands as well i hate drawing hands so like they're <laughs> terrible but he draws some really great hands that's something that just stood out to me that's true um and i really like his eyes so he's he's got some really good skills um, unfortunately, he also likes to beat his wife, which is the controversy in this Whew, right here. Wow, too. I did not have that context. <laughs> he he's been pulled off of this book okay. because he um, because that's been going on domestic violence. Okay, and so that's uh, he's he's no longer on this book. Yeah, they they have a new artist. I think of as of epi- um, issue eight or nine or something like that. Okay. Um, so uh, we'll have to see how that person goes and how the chemistry between the art, artist yeah. and writer work out. But that's uh, the unfortunate part of it. I'll say I, I, we, we were discussing this before we started recording. I, we haven't been able to identify who drew the cover of the actual volume one. I, but there's an FS in the corner and we both are pretty certain that it's Fiona Staples because yeah. it looks an awful lot like it's Fiona Staples artwork. Um, I, I this might be one of the biggest problems that I had is that I saw the cover and I was like, oh, that looks really cool. And then I opened it and I hate it when the cover is not the same as the yeah, interior why artist. Why did they do that? Because um, Fiona Staples sells because of Saga. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I I didn't recognize it at first that it was Fiona Staples, if in fact it is. We're pretty sure it is. Uh, that, but... Um, I did recognize that I really like that cover art and then opened it up and was like, oh, well, this is okay. Really? And I had the opposite. I didn't like this cover. I just think okay. that the, the characters are stiff, um, especially Betty's in this weird pose running off the opposite direction. Like, yeah. it's... It, the, the coloring's flat. It, it just... In my opinion, this doesn't hold up to the stuff that's inside. Oh, you think so? Okay. I think that Rock Upchurch is a really great storyteller. His action sequences... I. I like them a lot. It's uh, you can follow the action. He lays out his panels in such a way that um, that really flow through the characters' movements. Yeah. Um, I, I I liked it a lot. Um, Fiona Staples, honestly, uh, I've read Saga and um, I I like her style. Her illustrations are nice, but I find that sometimes her storytelling is not as strong. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but Rock Up Church does a. I thought he did a great job. Um, anyway, we should move on to our 
last... Oh, actually, you know what? Before we go, let's spoil our big news right here. <laughs> okay, let's Because see. we're talking about it right now, and if yeah. you are only listening to this episode to listen to talk about Rat Queens, then we might as well tell you this right now. Um, in our next episode, we are going to have a special guest, and it's going to be author of Rat Queens, author-creator, yeah. Curtis J. Weep. Yeah. He's going to be on our show talking to us about Rat Queens, um, some of his other work, uh, his new stuff that's coming out, and also he's picked... A comic for us to read this month and we'll be he'll be joining us in our discussion of all of the three comics yeah. that we'll be talking about next month yeah i i yeah so that that's it's exciting and you know what i i because i'm kind of eh on, on this book i think it'll be a really good conversation uh whether or not that conversation ends up on the podcast oh. i, I there will be a good conversation i i'm excited to meet him and and sort of talk through the process because I find a lot of the time, if you're kind of middle of the road with a, with a creative property, if you talk to the creator or you listen to the creator more so, uh, and they sort of explain what their methodology was, what their plans were, uh, you start to see see it the way that they saw it. And although authorial intent is not the be-all and end-all, uh, because it's got to be on the page or in the movie or on TV, like it, it needs to make it into the final product in order for it to really count. Um, when you get that authorial intent, sometimes it can open your eyes to things that you missed. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm excited to talk to him about it and, and, and hopefully we can dig a little bit deeper with it. Um, I, and, and talk about what's to come. I, like we, like we got to with Delilah Dirk, we definitely got to, to unpack that a little bit more, uh, which, uh, which is fun. I, I like this, I, I reading it and then talking to the, to the, to the author. Yeah, that was neat. Um, so I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for that. And I also am just excited about talking about comics. Yes. Not his own comics. I'm sure he's excited to not talk about his own yes, comics that's too. That's true. Um, with a guy who's in the industry, because I think that brings a, a lot of insight yeah. as well. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Uh, well, then let's jump into our last book. Uh, it's actually two books because uh, we decided to cover both volumes, both volume one and two. Which is good because it's one it's, story. It's one story, yeah, start to finish. I don't. It, it's it's weird to me that New Frontier isn't available as a hardcover. It, it is. It just Compl- came out. It? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, just it just came, came out. out a few months ago. Okay, so I I yeah, the comic that we're talking about is DC: The New Frontier, uh, volumes one and two by Darwin Cook, uh, with Dave Stewart. Um, th- this He's is the colorist, right? Yeah, so. Uh, it is it is written and drawn by Darwin Cook. Dave Stewart is the colorist, and and Jared K. Fletcher is the letterer on it. Um, which I'm just gonna say, the lettering. Uh, letter letterers don't get, uh, they do not get the the uh, praise that they deserve because lettering is uh, in some instances in comics I think these days a bit of a lost art yeah uh, because especially either, with the advent of computers and yeah, stuff, yeah. I, I people just kind of throw the bubbles on the page wherever yeah. there's room and uh, a good letterer knows how to uh, to set up that flow and uh, and get 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 the story moving and keep it on pace for whatever that pace needs to be. Yeah. And uh and and the well, lettering in this because there is actually a lot of uh narrative element to it. Uh, I whether it's sort of like those those title cards with with the chirons on them or or uh elements in the world uh, that are lettered. Uh, it, it's like a, it's an important part of this. And, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's an important part of this book. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this book was suggested by Mark Burdett and he said to us 
DC The New Frontier by Darwin Cook, Darwin Cook is one of my favorite books. It sums up what was amazing about the Silver Age. Darwin Cook simultaneously delivers a great story and amazing artwork as author and artist. I would love to hear your thoughts. There we go. What are our thoughts? Do you want to tell us a little bit about the plot here, just briefly? Okay, so I... The DC The New Frontier does not focus on any one character in particular, but I... There are ones that are definitely... But you could, if you have to pick two main characters out of it, uh, they both have green in their name, <laughs> uh, which is really interesting. Uh, it's the Green Lantern and... and or, uh, no, they don't both have green in their name. Martian Manhunter. Martian Manhunter He's is green. green. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, green Alien Man, Martian Manhunter. I, I, they are the main characters. I think uh, they, they're the the characters that we certainly spend the most time with. Um, I think because they represent two sides of uh, of of an argument that was going on in the fifties. The the book basically starts in nineteen fifty and ends in nineteen fifty nine and covers that decade. Um, and and as uh, as as Mark said, the the. It's the Silver Age, and and this is a book that really encompasses the Silver Age, but does it really interestingly with a very modern story. Um, that that I it, it actually the story kind of ends up having a lot uh, in common with Xenozoic. I think uh, there's a there's a really cool element there that 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 I. I would say I don't. I wouldn't be surprised to find out if Darwin Cook wasn't a little bit inspired by Xenozoic. Oh yeah, with that <laughs> because because uh, there's some definitely some similarities. Basically, um, it's it's sort of the 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 height of the Cold War uh, uh, and the space race that that all happens in this decade uh, in the fifties. Uh, and as that's all happening, and we're dealing with very similar stuff to uh, what um, the Watchmen actually talks about. Uh, in its flashbacks, um, there's there's a superhero registration uh, element to it, um, uh, where you know I, I, they're no longer allowed to be vigilantes post World War II because of uh, because of communist Russia and because of, of the the Red Scare and all that sort of thing. Um, so there's a there's a context there that's really fascinating and it explores. Basically, uh, the ideas of blacklisting and and, and uh, you know sort of the, the the communist witch hunt in in America at the time. Um, but then there's also the real plot is actually about this thing called the center, which is this ancient primordial being that's been on the earth since before us. Uh, that is kind of it's a bit of a god creator character like sort of uh, uh, archetype yep. that uh, created the dinosaurs has created other other creatures over time and uh, after we as human beings unlocked the, basically the atom bomb right uh, the ability to destroy the planet the center decides that it's had enough of watching humanity fight over the earth uh, and that it's just basically going to wipe wipe everyone out starting with the biggest superpower which is america um so so this island uh, uh dino island uh, which I, this is the thing that i love about this comic book the most is that it takes it darwin cook took the, the idea of like dino island in marvel comics has its own version in the savage land uh, I, that is sort of this uh, ambiguous 
um, uh, geographical location. It's a it's the Lost World concept where there are dinosaurs on an island, and you just send your characters there because you want to draw some dinosaurs, <laughs> right? Like that's yeah. basically what it is. But then Darwin Cook turned that concept, which was used a lot in the Silver Age, into the plot of this entire story. Yeah. Um, well, and that's what I loved about it. Is it has the fun of the Silver Age, yeah. the goofiness, the campiness, the yeah. over-the-top kind of theatrics of it, yeah. but gives a serious, heartfelt story at the same time, yeah. which is modern comic sensibilities. So um, if you can hear in the background, there's someone mowing the lawn right outside the window, so please excuse the noise. Yeah, it's a Saturday afternoon. Um, so uh, there's, there's a lot of things I want to talk about about this but one of the things is that Darwin Cook Cook really knows his history of of superheroes and so he picked this era the fit between 1950 and 1960 because this is when these heroes were actually created yeah so and in the book in 1956 um the flash shows up and that's when he was created like showcase number four whatever is from 1956 yeah and then um a few years later 1959 um, Green Lantern shows up because that's when Hal Jordan actually was created in the comic yeah. books and Martian Manhunter was before that in 1955 um, so he was there before everything else and the reason why we don't see Superman or Wonder Woman or Batman's origins in this book is because they existed in the 30s yeah. uh, they were created in the 30s and so and same with the challenges of the fanta- of the unknown they, they're in there as well yeah. at the appropriate time in, their, in real history yeah. and then at the end when we get that big speech from John F. Kennedy, the the New Frontier speech, he yeah. actually delivered that in 1960 um, as a response to the Cold War. But yeah. uh, um, as, but kind of it, it fits so perfectly here. Like he really he the timeline works so well. He did yeah. a really good job of this. Is, this up. I, I I don't know if I've talked about it on. I, I think I've talked about it on Cold Box before. That uh, I think artists they 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 get put on the planet to do one specific thing right to 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 create one like seminal piece of artwork and i and i do think darwin cook's done a lot of great stuff i i and 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 he continues to do great stuff um he's a fantastic artist fantastic storyteller i think the new frontier is his greatest accomplishment and will probably live on as his greatest accomplishment because it it captures a time and a place both in America, like Americana and and its actual history, as well as its pop culture, yeah, and he melds them together seamlessly to the yeah. point where, by the end of this comic, you don't think of these characters as fictional superheroes anymore. You think of them as part of the fabric of America, right? Right, and as Canadians, I think that it's really interesting, sort of from from just uh, just north of the the forty ninth parallel, watching. And sort of having the, a different context, um, it just makes you think about about the history of that country and where it, where it has been, where it is now. Well, and how it influenced our country too. I mean, yeah. the stuff that happened oh, there, sure. it was happening in Canada as well. It was, yeah. it was, yeah. But yeah, I, I, it's it's just such an amazing piece of work, um, and and I, I I love the element uh, that 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 the characters come in as they were created. I love that, yeah. that it is, uh, it is the era of, of pulp adventure. Yeah. Um, I, it's it sort of at its best. 
Uh, it is... <laughs> the, the New Frontier captures what Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were trying to go for in the fourth Indiana Jones movie, but that they missed. <laughs> um, because you went from serial... I, I adventures in the 30s and 40s and then in the 50s you went into to more of the pulp yeah. stuff I, I and they tried to do that in indiana jones 4 and they kind of missed the mark a little bit because people well, wanted they were expecting the same yeah people yeah. wanted more serial adventures right um but this this hits hits all those notes so well with a lot actually a lot of the same concepts um yeah. Uh, I love it. I, I love the the introduction uh, of each character, sort of as they go along. I love that yeah. Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, as you say, like they were the established superheroes of the time, so they had this role to play yeah. in in the overall narrative, but they were not the focus because yeah. it's it's almost uh, it's it's past their time. And although, like I I, this is basically the same era when the Justice League became a thing right well justice league just like just he knows his timeline the yeah. justice league formed in 1960 that's when okay. the justice league first came so out the so end after of the book, this it is when, yeah exactly the, the end of the book yeah. is basically diana telling clark uh, telling superman you are the leader like you yeah. you need to be this person for exactly. these people and uh, and so the book really ends with him making his speech like superman has a great speech where he he basically tells them all that they need to put aside their differences because yeah. it's not about your political leanings it's about the greater good I, and it's i, I feel it's, the same way about the the president's speech in independence day yeah yeah <laughs> um it's i the thing that i love the most about this and the thing that i think is most important about this is that i this is this is in my opinion uh, this era, the 50s, is when America was simultaneously at its best and its worst. I, hmm. uh, what it was doing, like the 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 uh, sort of because it is that's the Americana era, right? Like yep. that is when you sort of look at it and you go, uh, you know, uh, uh, diners and and the automobile and, and Uncle Sam, and yeah, Uncle and, and all yeah, that, all yeah. that stuff. Like that's that's. That, yeah, Superman's a part of it, and that is really the identity that I think that a lot of us, especially our generation, I think, that we hold as as an ideal America, and and then sort of like the 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 '60s happened, and the '70s happened, and the '80s happened, and the '90s happened, and now we're we are where we are with uh, with with um, North America. Like I'll I'll include ourselves in that. Yeah. But America doesn't look at all like it did then. Yeah. Like even the even the the, the national pride and, and everything is so different yeah from when it was um, in the 50s and i think i think it's so fascinating because i think that superheroes reflect that and and it's one of the things that that in particular dc comics does the best whether they know they're doing it or not and i think current incarnation of dc is is actually an incredibly good reflection of where america is at today and the fact that everything needs to be edgier, it needs to be more violent, it needs to be, uh, I, you know, like that, that th those elements all need to be in play. Whereas uh, Darwin Cook uh, brings all these characters back to their origins in the 50s and what they really mean, what the, what the core of the characters are. Um, and uh, I, I'm sure most people will not be surprised to hear that, that you know, Man of Steel and, and uh, uh, the 
Batman versus Superman that's coming out there. It's not, those are not my ideal versions of those characters. I think that man of steel is a good film. Uh, is it, is it the Superman movie that I want? No. Is it the Superman movie that I really feel like, like we need today in this day and age? I think it's the furthest thing from it. Um, and this Superman, that but it's the logical we, progression. It is if, like, when you yeah, look back on things. It is, yeah, it is. But the Superman, I, I feel like the, I feel like the superheroes that we need today are these superheroes, yeah. are these Silver Age superheroes, because it is so much less about who we are as as it is about who we can be uh, as people. And and Superman is at his best when he is that character. And he is that character throughout this, even though yep. he is very seldom used. Um, I, uh, same with Batman. Uh, I, and I think that that's fantastic. Rather than rely on those two heavy hitters, or really the three heavy hitters, if you're going to throw Wonder Woman in there, uh, they are, they're sort of relegated to the background. They're there to move the story forward. Yeah. Um, and of course you have to put those books, those characters in the book because you want it to sell. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the story was really about how, uh, how, um, Hal Jordan gets, gets to where he is as Green Lantern. Yeah. Um, even though he doesn't think he should be worthy of that and, which is exactly why he is exactly right. Yeah. Like that's that's the core of it. Like these are the, that's why these are the characters that we sort of need today. This yeah. is the sort of thing that we need to be looking at because uh, so often now our our heroes are all uh, a takeoff basically on Han Solo, where they're all smart, quippy. Uh, they all have a wry sense of humor and a half smile. And although Hal Jordan shares some of those characteristics. Um, at the core of his character, he really is humble. And and I, I, <laughs> the great thing about the Green Lantern is that it's not about being uh, uh, fearless. It's about having the willpower to overcome that fear. Right. So where Darwin Cook nails the character of Hal Jordan is that Hal Jordan is actually full of fear. He is, he's afraid of a lot of things. That is entirely why he is the person that he is. That's why he gets in a jet. That's why he does what he does. Because he's afraid that if he doesn't, he's nobody. He's afraid, he's afraid of really living life. So he lives right on the edge between life and death. Because, yeah. you know, at any minute he could die and then it's done. And he doesn't have to worry about it. And these elements are explored in this story. And then by the end of it, you discover that that is also what makes him the Green Lantern. Mm -hmm. right? And Superman doesn't have to worry about that kind of thing because of his yeah. invulnerability. So, yeah. yeah, you can't put that that character in this sort of role because it doesn't yeah. fit. It, he And which is why he doesn't get a starring role. No. And his his role is becomes clear by the end of it he, as well as the Batman's. icon. Yeah. 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 Like Superman is there. Uh, as he should be in any ensemble story with these superheroes, Superman is there as the leader and as the really the uh, the the moral center. Yeah, the uh, compass. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which again, going to New Fifty Two, I think that's why that New Fifty Two Superman is so flawed. He he is more human than he is Superman, and yes, that's what people ask for. But um, there are characters who do that. There are characters who serve that purpose. Superman shouldn't serve that purpose. Well, Superman is meant, to, like, as you say, to be an icon. He really should be. But when you're the sole character in your own title, yes. it's harder to be that. 
Um, he can be that character in the Justice League comic, true. but he needs to have huh. a little bit more. Okay, so Let, Lois, we... <laughs> Lois is the flip side of that, right? And Lois is the one who keeps you in touch with Superman's humanity, with Clark's humanity. Um, and they have ignored the character of mm-hmm. Lois Lane. Is that interesting? I, the, the, I think that the biggest thing about this book is that these are all the iconic versions of these characters. Yeah. They are not yeah. the reimagined versions that we currently live with. In fact, like we're now dealing with postmodern reimaginations of these characters. Because in the 80s, with the George Byrne Superman, we got... And the Neil Adams Batman. Yeah, and the Neil, yeah. yeah we got reimagined versions of the characters yeah. that took them into new places. Mm-hmm. But... They were, they, it wasn't that we weren't at the postmodern part yet. We were at the modern part. And now we're in this postmodern era where the, the, the world is self-aware. Yeah. Like it's, it's self-aware of its own failings and its, and its own issues. So instead of Superman being what Superman is meant to be, he's become the antithesis of what he was supposed to be because it's an answer to, it's a response to where Superman has been for the last 75 years. Um, but, but these versions of the characters are the cores of their characters. Darwin cook, he, he, the, the, the love that he has for DC is apparent in every single brush stroke throughout this book. Yeah. Uh, he cares so much about all these characters and he makes you care about characters that you don't think that you care about, like the challengers of the unknown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it, it, this made me want to go back and and explore some of that stuff because it is so much fun yeah. it's got such a great sense of adventure to it and that i just feel like it's missing from dc comics right now well it's all it's marvel all just too, about I think. like I mean, yeah they, they get the odd gem like miss marvel yeah but i like well, i've said it many times i don't read these comics any those comics anymore because yeah. they don't have the fun it's all yeah. dark and moody and whatever yeah. but um yeah um, Darwin Cook also does adaptations of the Parker novels, um, detective stories. Okay. They're fantastic. Uh, if you want some other really good Darwin Cooks, he has also reimagined the spirit, but yeah, but in a very authentic, um, true to the original source material kind of way. Um, and I want to talk about um, Darwin Cook's artwork in this. You know, did you notice that all of his pages have three panels to them? I didn't, no. They all have three panels, and so each one has a widescreen scope to it. Yeah. So it's like we're watching a movie. It's uh, very simple. Man, that lawnmower is getting pretty loud. I think oh. he's got, he's got the, the leaf blower again. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it makes sense that this was turned into an animated movie because he's yeah. laid it out so well. And It's I, basically storyboards. It is. And I watched... Um, Last night I thought, hey, I should watch a little bit of this movie before we record. Yeah. So I watched enough to cover the first volume's worth of the material. And all of the shots are taken directly from yeah. this. Directly. There are a few where the angles don't work for animation so that he they, they change them a little bit. But you, you watch it and every single one of these pictures is there. Yeah. Um, the movie, so, where I th- from what I recall, because it's been a while since I've seen the movie, the movie just basically cuts out those characters that aren't recognizable, and it tells the rest of the story, right? So it really right. focuses on Martian Manhunter, yep. the Flash, and Green Lantern, uh, and it and it leaves. It cuts out, out Sergeant Rock. Yeah, it cuts out the, the, um, John Henry, of course, with yeah. the Ku Klux Klan. They're not going to put that <laughs> yes. in there. Um, and that was the part that I was alluding to when I said America at its worst. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, 
and I don't remember if the challengers of the unknown are, are there. They also like Wildcat's not in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, so so back to the, these panels here. Um, he's such an incredible storyteller, and the way like they all there are three panels in each page, but there are some instances where he either breaks up one of those three panels into three panels. Okay. Um, or he combines two of the panels into one bigger panel, and of course he has his splash pages and so. But uh, um, there's the one. Uh, let me see if I can find it here to give you the example. When he, the Flash is fighting um, Captain Cold, and do, 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 I, he, yeah, so Wally gets off the phone with Iris, and and he has to speed around to try and find his ring. He says, "Where's that ring?" And then the bottom panel is split into three, and it just goes bang, 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 um, to to show that things are really happening in a flash. Pun yeah, intended. Yeah. Um, so he he uses the he breaks down the panels to sh- to for effect. Otherwise, it's very static. It's an incredible discipline to only have three panels on every page. I can't believe I didn't notice that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. So and then there are other instances like um, in the second volume when they are um, when the challengers of the unknown are in the rocket ship. The where did that go here? Uh, it's chapter nine, uh, the flying cloud. Chapter nine, um, that panel layout is the same throughout the entire scene. Okay. Um, so you have the one yeah. big one, then three in the middle, and then one big one as well, and it follows that through um, through the entire time that Martian Manhunter saves uh, Faraday from the from being burnt to crisp, and um, they do that. Uh, whereas the Flash scene did that in order to speed things up. Now this one does it in order to to slow things down yeah um so there's a lot of um speech bubbles in each one of these panels to show that a lot is going on to make you know that launching a rocket ship actually takes a long time it doesn't happen really fast so he breaks down his panels to make you slow down in order to take your time with this scene so it's an interesting use of he he really knows how to use his panels really really well i think he's he is he is one of the best uh, uh, artists in comics today. Uh, that the you as you were flipping through, I saw that the one of the things that I wanted to mention, which is that splash page with Aquaman, where uh, Aquaman is a character like Aquaman is is barely used. Like you could be forgiven for forgetting that he's even in the book, <laughs> yeah, because he shows up midway through volume two uh, and has a splash page and then he shows up at the end of volume two because he kind of saves the day by saving superman which splash page are you talking about um the one where he's where he's commanding the entire ocean um because the center has no quarrel with with aquaman because aquaman isn't part of man's world right atlantis is a completely different thing so he's not part of the the conflict the the ongoing conflict but um, he has this great moment where uh, I, he has a bit of an inner monologue, talks about, there, there it is. So I, 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 he he's kind of talks about like how, how the center is something that his people have always known about and that um, he has he has allies in America, right? And so he's actually going to help them. Hmm. Um, but it's never apparent. Uh, it's not, I don't think that it's explicitly said what he's doing, but he basically takes all of the denizens of the ocean that he can command and he surrounds the ocean around the center in order to protect anything from getting too close to it and from like the, the sort of like the turbulence that it's creating yeah. um, from, from doing any more damage. And so there's this incredible 
splash page at the end of this this chapter where Aquaman is just and I love it because he's just in the in the green tights he doesn't have the shirt on uh, uh, he doesn't have like the scale shirt on and he's just got like his his uh, a rocky it's not a trident it only has two points on it but it, like fish hook trident yeah. that he has and he's just commanding the entire ocean and there's like every everything you want to see right there's sharks there's octopus there's uh, a blue whale there's orcas there's a manta ray like and it just shows the incredible scale of aquaman's power because aquaman is a character especially in this era that got sort of the short end of the stick yeah. and he was really made to I, by the super friends in particular in the 60s he was made out to be a bit of a stupid character yeah. that like he would just talk to fish and 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 there's no talking going on here aquaman is in charge this is his army right yeah. like he's a powerful character he's just i think he's misunderstood so his his two moments in this book are are this page where he's commanding the entire ocean to go save america basically and then right at the end where i uh, i uh, they uh they they open up uh he he basically like uh lands his ship on the shore because we think that superman's dead we we think that superman was killed and and it turns out that aquaman actually saved him he fell in the ocean and aquaman saved him because when he fell in the ocean aquaman was there like yeah. he was he was commanding all, all these these uh, uh, uh whales and sharks and whatever to to help save the day um and i think there's a couple other like lines where where guys are like yeah, it was the weirdest thing. Like this whale just like like the, the guys <laughs> fell out of their ship, and then this whale just like saved them. I, I don't. It, maybe it was dolphins. Like it's dolphins just saved them. It's like it's this throwaway line that if you weren't paying attention before, you didn't quite catch. Yeah. And there's a lot of great moments like that throughout this book. Um, but yeah, and then man, the end of it is just so fantastic because it ends with with the justice league's first adventure, which is fighting Starro, right? Yep. yep. Uh, from that that's, episode. That's in, that, that from that issue in the showcase. Yeah. That last, that last page, it's just so good. Uh, he just nails it. He yep. understands. Uh, Jeff Johns is great. Don't get me wrong. I think Jeff Johns is a great writer. I think he's done some really cool stuff. I think he has a great understanding of a lot of the characters in the DC universe. I think Jeff Johns understands the characters. I think Darwin cook understands the DC universe. He understands why it exists and where it came from. And really, if you want those movies to compete with the Marvel movies, you put Darwin cook in charge, not, <laughs> not, not Dan DiDio, Jim Lee and Jeff Johns. Like yeah, yeah. that, uh, if they wanted to turn around what they've done with the new 52 and get back to making iconic superheroes, which is what DC should be doing. Darwin Cook's the guy to do it. He he would be the one to 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 be editor in chief and and write that ship in my opinion, um, because uh, the other thing we haven't even talked about it. His version of Wonder Woman is probably one of the best versions of Wonder Woman to have ever been written because she is what she's meant to be, which is a, an icon for women's rights and for for really human rights uh, uh in general but in in particular for women and yeah. and the sequence with her in in korea is just like it it well and it, it it's this it's just such a great philosophical argument that you sort of see it and you're like superman tells her that what she's done is wrong because she's given all of these women weapons to just murder 
their captors. But, yeah, so. but from Wonder Woman's perspective, it's like, I didn't do anything. I just gave them the ability to defend themselves. They took it the rest of the way. And can you blame them? Right. right? And that's sort of... It, yep. It, the, yep. Both... Uh, or all three of these characters, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, play their notes perfectly. Um, and you understand why they are the three pillars of, of the DC universe, uh, even until today, right? With with Batman v Superman. So yeah. um, he just, he just, he hits it all. He, he, and he hits it out of the park. It's such a good book. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to have to go home and finish watching the movie because I want to <laughs> see how that turns out too. Um, well, we should wrap things up. I think that was, yeah. we're both on schedules today. So we are, yeah. <laughs> our time is up. Yeah. Let's talk about what we're talking about next month. Yes. Uh, do you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So I I picked uh, a Star Wars comic, but probably not. The last time we had a guest on, you picked a Star yeah, Wars that, comic That's too. true. I did, didn't I? Um, I Probably not the Star Wars comic that anybody's expecting, though. <laughs> I, I, I picked... Star Wars Jedi Academy by Jeffrey Brown, who, uh, if you're not really familiar, he uh, he did this great book called uh, uh, Vader and Son, which is basically, uh, it's Darth Vader trying to be a good dad uh, <laughs> and being a little bit overwhelmed by his... his uh, uh, rebellious yeah, son. Yeah, his rebellious... <laughs> And Spunky Son. Uh, and Princess Leia makes a couple of appearances in Vader and Son, but then he ended up doing uh, Vader's Little Princess, which was the book focusing on Vader and and uh, Princess Leia. And then I, I, and then he started doing the Jedi Academy series. And he's also done a, a bedtime book, A, yeah. a Good Night, yeah, Darth Vader. That one's good. Um, I, but this Jedi Academy is a book... Uh, that it, it's actually it's about it's about a character uh, and and sort of his it's basically a, a middle school story. Uh, a Except middle story. school happens to be Jedi training yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but it's a Jedi Academy, so um, it's it's kind of a mix of comic and there's a little bit of of almost prose uh, uh, in sort of these in world in universe uh, uh, pieces of of. Uh, 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 material like like emails and that sort of thing that sort of build on the story. So um, I'm really excited to read it because I really enjoy his uh, his Vader series. Um, I think he's he's done such a great job and he's such a great cartoonist. So I'm really excited to to dig in. And uh, he's actually he is probably the biggest influence on why I started doing Kenobi and Me. Okay. Um, because I kind of saw that and it, that's very much, you can see where I got yeah. the formula, right? So, um, so I'm really excited to read this. I'm, 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 I'm sure it's going to be great. Me too. I am, uh, I, I'm a big fan of his really old, um, sort of underground indie comic stuff and I haven't read this, but I'm also a fan of kids comics. So it's yeah. good. this is a good fit, I think. So I'm looking yeah, forward absolutely. to that too. Uh, my pick this month is Mind Management by Matt Kind, Kind? <laughs> However you pronounce that, K-I-N-D-T. Um, mind Management, M- M-G-M-T. So I don't even know if you're supposed to say Mind M-G-M-T or Mind Management. But anyway, that's the book. The first volume is called The Managers from Dark Horse. And this is a... I read this one just recently. So I've already read this one. And I was like, ah, oh, this this is one that we got to talk about. Um, a, a commercial flight crashes. No, a commercial flight lands... But everybody on the plane has lost their memory, including the pilot. So the pilot mid-flight has to be like, 
hello, is anyone there? I need help landing a plane. I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> so yeah. um, big mystery. One woman who's a, um, a novelist wants to write the story of, of these people and why, um, why no one remembers. So she goes on the hunt for the, the truth and gets wound up in this big story. So it's a, it's, it's weird. It's, um, got a lot of kind of twists and turns. It's got an interesting art style. Um, so I, but it's, I, I really liked it. So I, cool. there you go. There's not, I don't really, I can't really talk a whole lot about it without giving away. <laughs> yeah, so I, cool. I want to propose that we, um, read mind management volume cool. one. Awesome. And, uh, and for our third poll, we've actually, because we will be having, uh, Curtis J. Weeb on the, on the podcast, uh, he's, he's pulled a comic for us. And, uh, what comic is that? It's called I Kill Giants from Image and it is by Joe Kelly and artist J.M. Ken Nimura. Um, and I don't know anything about this. I've seen this one on some like best of lists and stuff, but I haven't read it myself. But uh, um, a, it's about a girl struggling with life by escaping into a fantasy life of magic and monsters. Um, and I don't know anything more about it than that. So that should be good. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I, I I looked up uh, a little bit on it yesterday, and it looks interesting. So yeah, it's got a neat art style, and yeah, uh, I, yeah. So no superheroes this month. No superheroes. Wow. Yep, but that's well, okay. That's well, yeah. We had a lot of superheroes this month. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll uh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, also, on the we'll be announcing the winner of our um, bone giveaway, the draw. We we put that up on the website last month to see who would win a copy of the new hardcover bone tribute edition uh and we'll in the next couple of days after this podcast is released we will put that the winner up there so keep an eye out if you cool. entered the draw and um maybe we'll do another one too i think we have another book to give away um so keep your eyes open on the website i think we've got a few books well. to give away yeah i've got some stuff as well cool. so i uh, yeah so so i uh, yeah keep your keep your eyes peeled on pullboxpodcast.com I, I, where you can obviously get all of the episodes of the Pullbox podcast, as well as check out our archive so that you, uh, you know what we've read and, uh, and you can suggest new stuff to us. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, 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 contests and, and, and reviews. Um, yeah. so it's a great place to, to grab all that stuff. And we're a part of the Thunder Quack podcast network and you can, uh, support us by, uh, donating a little bit to Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash thunderquack. Thunderquack? Just yep, yep, uh, just thunderquack. And we have a $15 level where uh, at, at that level you get to uh, suggest a comic for us to read and then we'll record a 20-minute segment, Yeah. right? Yeah, we'll um, call you up on Skype. Yeah, and uh, and so you can be on the podcast. Uh, uh, so that's a, that's a great reward for for pullbox listeners in particular um but there's also there's also lots of other great perks uh to to supporting us on thunderquack um it's not it's a it's a two-way relationship and that's what's awesome about patreon is that uh you help us to bring you great content like this uh and and we can give you some cool perks along the way so um and we're right now trying to hit the 200 dollar milestone so that we can unlock Talking Time Lords, which will be our newest podcast with uh, with Jason Hunt. So is that about uh, Doctor Who? It is about Doctor Who. Okay. So so if you're a Doctor Who fan and you want that to happen, you should head to our Patreon and uh, and kick in a little bit. We're seventeen dollars away as of right as of recording. So uh, so we're so close. We need your help to get there. So. Nice. 
Um, so that would be awesome. Uh, of course, you can also follow us uh, on, on Facebook at facebook.com slash pullboxpodcast to stay up to date with everything, as well as on Twitter at pullboxpodcast. Um, you can also follow myself on Twitter. I'm at arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. And I'm at Curtis Findlay. Um, yep, just spelled my name out with a K. And I, you, I've also started up a new blog about Disney cover songs. If you're interested in that too, you can follow that at Mouse Covers or go to CoveringTheMouse.com. Cool. Um, awesome. Well, that's it for us. I, I, right before we go, though, don't forget to send in your suggestions to uh, Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and let us know just with a brief description, just a, a brief sort of one paragraph of why we should read the comic that you've uh, uh, selected, and uh, and and hopefully we'll get around to reading it on the podcast. Yeah, or if you have any questions for Curtis J. Weeb, we can also yes. read those to him and have him answer some of your questions on the next episode, so you can send us those as well. Absolutely, cool. Well, uh, that's it for us this month, and we will we'll catch you guys uh, next month. Yeah, keep reading comics. Thank you.